0: And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the Book of Psalms this week, going back to the beginning, we're in Psalm chapter one, as Pastor Joel brings his message, The Song of the Blessed Man.
1: I want to welcome you here uh, this morning uh, as well. Uh, my name is Joel Woodard, I'm the pastor here, and we're just, we're just glad you're here. We're, we're a worshiping community of Jesus followers. Uh, and so we, we love doing life and community together, all centered around God's Word and how it reveals to us who Jesus is. Um, so we have a practice where we come together every week. Uh, it's just a brick upon a brick upon a brick. It's not flashy, uh, not showy, but it's faithful to God's Word and learning about Him over and over again. And, and we think that that, that habit, uh, that, that being faithful to just come and gather get to know people, get to know God's Word, will, will form us as people, uh, will shape us as a community that follows hard after the Lord. Uh, so this morning we're going to do like we do every Sunday. Uh, we're going to open uh, God's Word together. We're going to be uh, in Psalm 1 this morning. Psalm 1, if you want to open uh, your Bibles there. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, uh, who so much of church history has changed as a result of him. He said the greatest influence on his life, was the book of psalms and you might think well that's i mean i like the psalms too but the greatest influence on my on my life the book of psalms Uh, martin luther said it was there in the psalms that he became a converted man he said i met christ personally in the psalms to meet christ personally in the psalms and it changed luther's life uh, three weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 16 It's kind of this model for how we should look at the Psalms. And then through Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we found ourselves in the Psalms. But today, we're going back to the beginning, and we're starting on Psalm 1. Uh, Jerome, one of the church fathers in 342, likens the first Psalm to the great door of a whole building of which the Holy Spirit is the key. So Psalm 1 is like this great door of a whole building that's open to us, of which the Holy Spirit is the key. Uh, this week and next week, we'll look at the two great doors of the Psalms, Psalm 1 and Psalm 2. And hopefully by the end you'll see that, that these two Psalms are crucial to understand all of the Psalms, as they help us identify the blessed man, and then through the pages encourage us to find our refuge in the blessed man. So if you have your Bibles open to Psalm 1, would you stand as I read uh, Psalm 1? It's only six verses, Psalm 1. It begins like this, book 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach this great door of the psalm, we need our eyes to be opened, Lord, so that we can see your word, see what it is that you are communicating to us, Lord, that you would open our ears that we could hear, remove the distractions, the list, the things on our minds that we have to to do today and the rest of this week, Lord, just give us peace and calm as we look into your word this morning and as we spend time there, as we spend time in the psalms, Lord, would the Holy Spirit soften our hearts, so so that our emotions and our affections are changed towards you and not of the things of this world. Lord, that we would leave leave here knowing you a little more, loving you a little more. Lord, strengthened and encouraged in your word. So Lord, may the, uh, the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have, have a seat. Uh, before we actually get to Psalm 1 uh, today, I want to tell you a story that I think will help you understand what's actually happening in Psalm uh, 1. It's about four or five years ago. I took two of my kids, uh, Abigail and Elijah, and we visited my parents down in South Carolina. Uh, it was before I came uh, here to be the pastor, and we had a little bit of, of time, so I t- took a couple trips down there to visit my folks. Uh, while we were down there, um, we went to the seafood restaurant called Gilligan's. What a great name for a seafood restaurant. Uh, and it, it's right on the, one of the rivers in Somerville, South Carolina. That's the first place my kids tried fried okra. Any of you tried fried okra? Southern delicacy. And, and hush puppies. Uh, they didn't quite know what those were. Um, didn't really like either of them either. Uh, but they, they tried them. They tried them there, at least. Uh, and so I, I want to picture... I, Picture the scene with me as we're sitting in this restaurant. It's, it's got windows all over the place because it's in this beautiful place in Somerville. There, there's a river, a, a large river that's going right by. There's the big trees with the moss hanging down. Them. Have you seen those in the south? Uh, we're right in the middle of the restaurant. Uh, windows are all uh, around, and it's a bright, sunny day. Picture that, a bright, sunny day. Uh, Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah, that's... Somebody give me a witness, uh, a bright sunny day, uh, our, our kids were, were much much smaller and, and so Caleb, uh, we ordered our food but we were waiting around, well there was this like deck outside over the whole thing, that you could go out and actually uh, look outside. The waitress said, actually there's alligators that sunbathe uh, on the deck, um, usually on the grass right beside the deck there. So. Uh, so Caleb being, I think he's probably seven or eight years old, wanted to go like, let's, instead of waiting for the food, can I go explore? And we're like, yeah, obviously, go go outside and enjoy. We could see everything because of all the windows all, all around. And so Caleb goes outside while we're waiting for our food and, and looking around. But the music from the restaurant must have been playing on the deck outside as well. Because after a while, after Caleb has kind of explored, all of a sudden you see and get a little... Little boogie in him, right, because he's start dancing, and the sun was shining just right that as you turned around and looked at those windows, actually you just saw your reflection. and so there's there's this little boy outside who's been exploring, and then he turns around with the music, and man, he's just like looking at himself in the reflection and just getting down, like now, the whole restaurant's just windows, right. <laughs> And so you can start seeing, like we're laughing a little bit and smiling, but then you see everyone and all the tables around us all starting to like, hee hee, look at that little boy, isn't that cute that he's, so the whole restaurant is staring at Caleb, but Caleb is just looking at his own reflection (laughs) in the mirror and he is just totally enjoying uh, the music uh, to himself. Now, we, we know sometimes in windows you can see your reflection, right? Uh... But the intention, the main purpose of a window is much different than a mirror. Uh, the mirror is to look back at yourself. A window is actually to look through it to see the people on the other side. And if we, would have, we could have just taken Caleb and brought him inside the restaurant and said, See, no, these aren't, this isn't a mirror. These are windows to look out. And everyone was looking at you. Or if we would have even gone maybe in the shade and changes his angle a little bit, he could have seen past himself to see all the other people in it. Well, now in the same way that Caleb was, was using that window as a mirror to look at himself, uh, we often approach the book of Psalms in the exact same way. We, we read it as if it's a mirror reflecting uh, ourselves, rather than understanding the greater purpose of the Psalms. Psalms is like a window through which we see Jesus. Psalms is like a window through which we see Jesus. And, and maybe, in first, like just first thing, you're, you're thinking just like Caleb, yeah, but I can see my reflection in the mirror. Like, I can see it. It's just reflecting me. And you read Psalms and you go, it sounds a lot like me. I apply it to me. Uh, Even Psalm 1 that we just read, you're thinking, well, I want to be blessed. So what do I need to do to be blessed? What do I need to do to be this blessed man? And we look at the Psalms as if it's a a mirror. Well, this brings us back to Psalm 1 today. And rather than approaching it as a mirror, I actually want to show you who's on the other side of the window. Uh, hopefully I want to come at this with a little bit different perspective so that you can look past yourself and see these images on the other side. And then after that, then we can say, well, where am I at in this? To look past yourself, and we're going to meet Jesus in the Psalms, just like Martin Luther did. So in Psalm 1, as we go through it, just six verses, I want to show you three sets of people that you can see through the window of Psalm 1. One, three sets of people. We'll see a blessed man, we'll see uh, the wicked, and we'll see a congregation of the righteous. Uh, the blessed man, the wicked, and the congregation of the righteous. So let's, let's look at our first uh, image through the window this morning uh, the blessed man. If you have your Bibles, look back in uh, Psalm 1, verse 1. We'll just read Psalm 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now we have lots of different translations in here, I'm sure. Uh, And so your version, especially uh, in Hebrew poetry, how that's translated could be different. If you have a Bible, and specifically the New Living Translation, it says, Blessed are those... Uh, I don't normally do this, but go ahead and scratch out those. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is clearly masculine singular in Hebrew. So blessed is the man. Uh, most other translations um, get it like the one, blessed is the one, or blessed is the, the man. There's a few of them, though, that, that make it this group of people, and it's clearly not. It's singular uh, in this. And, and as I even mentioned that, uh, one of one of the tools as you're reading through the Psalms is to notice the singular and the plural and the who's speaking. Uh, so if you can just get those down, Psalms, all of a sudden you'll start seeing things in the Psalms. You're like, oh, this is this is much different than just looking at uh, myself. So singular and plural are very important. The first word, blessed, blessed. We we have this a very church word. Uh, we say blessed, but there's an Old Testament professor named Bruce Waltke uh, who I've gotten a lot of his commentaries uh, from, he actually makes an important point of this word blessed. Uh, we actually have two Hebrew words we translate as blessed. Uh, the first one is probably the most familiar, at least in how we translate it blessed, it's the word baruch. Uh, if you were at the Seder meal, you he- heard him, him like pray that, remember? Baruchata, baruch, is the word blessed. And it means to confer or to give like goodness or wellness. Uh, to someone, it's something that you you're you're, you're giving over or wishing well. Uh, the clearest example is when someone sneezes, and you what do you say? Bless you, yeah, baruk Atah. bless you. Uh, you you it doesn't it doesn't do anything other than oh I hope I wish you well. Uh, and there's probably a whole long history for why we do that. Um, but another example is like when I do weddings, we sometimes, uh, we just had Brody and Sarah's wedding, and Hillary came up and gave a prayer of blessing over the couple. A prayer of blessing. It, it, it's a blessing of like, oh, Lord, would you show your favor on them? Would, would you be kind to them? Uh, would you give them goodness? It's a Baruch it's this giving over. We also see it in the great priestly prayer in Numbers 6. Um, if, if you ever know that, it's the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord bless you. It's the word Baruch. It's this conferring of goodness. That's not the word we find in Psalm 1. The, the word we find in Psalm 1 is Ashrei, ashrei It's more used to describe the state of someone, and usually like happy or joy. And so even your translations might say joyous is the one, or happy is the one. It's a description of someone. It's not giving something over. It's describing that person. Uh, And so instead of a prayer of blessing on the newlywed couple, it's more like you're at a 50th wedding anniversary, and someone describes the couple as being the blessed couple because they have family and friends around them. They've lived a good life. Uh, they've, they've seen the Lord's blessing on them. You're saying this this is the state or the description of this couple. They are blessed. Ashrei. It's not, uh, it's not given to them, although you could still play a, uh, pray a blessing for them that the Lord continue to give them wellness, but, but ashrei is more the description of what it is. Now, in Psalm 1, we find the word ashrei, which means it's the description of this man. He is... The blessed man it's not how do we find blessing or he's not giving to blessing this is a description of the man and as we read the next couple of verses you'll see, oh this is what he's describing what he's titling is the blessed man in Psalm one we're not looking uh, we're not looking at a mirror of how can I be this we're looking through a window at someone who is being described as the blessed man and here are the things he doesn't do and the things he does do. The first one, what he doesn't do. You'll see the progression. He doesn't walk, stand, or sit with the wicked sinners or scoffers. Walk, stand, and sit with the wicked sinners and scoffers. It's an interesting progression, if you notice there. Uh, normally we would go from like sitting to standing to, to walking to running. That's a, probably a normal progression we have. But here he goes the almost the opposite. It's a walking to a standing. To a sitting. And these in Hebrew poetry uh, have images with them as well. Your, your walking is really your movement and your actions. It's your behavior. It's what you do. Your standing then is it, not your, much your behavior or your actions as much as what you're thinking. What's going on in your mind as you're deliberating something? Should I act? Should I move? Should I sit? Should I stand? It's the, it's the thought progression that you have. The sitting then is going, I've made my decision, this is who I am, this is my identity. So those three, given in Hebrew parallelism, it's not just two lines, it's three lines to emphasize the point, this man doesn't behave or act, he doesn't think, he doesn't identify with anything wicked, sinful, or scoffing. This man, this blessed man, is being described by the emphasis of these three lines as there is no sin in this man. He does nothing wrong. Whether he's acting or even just thinking, his behavior, his identity, everything—this man doesn't do anything wrong. And we actually know this progression very well because this is a progression of uh, that we often fall to, except for the opposite side. It's the progression of sin in all of us. You see, sin is like an ugly uh, monster, and it's very cunning. To each one of us, it, it actually doesn't mind being hated at first. Uh, it, it's fine if, if you despise sin at first, as long as you see it and you tolerate it, and it's seen over and over and over again, And because until that sin becomes so familiar, we just simply endure it, and then after time, it may even move us on to, to pity, and then finally we embrace it. Not so the blessed man. The the blessed man does nothing wrong. So even in the first two verses, I I think if we're looking through the window, we're looking at the description of this blessed man, and we realize we are not that blessed man. Unless Unless you are perfect here this morning... You fall short of the glory or the perfection of this blessed man, the, the one who does nothing wrong. And in fact, if you think, well, I could be close to that, let's, let's go on the other side of what he does do. He, he does, he doesn't do anything wrong, and everything he does is right, and his words are from the Lord. Everything he says is from the, the Lord. Uh, look in verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates how often? Day and night. Day and night. He, he delights. He finds his joy in the law of the Lord. Now that, and underneath that, we're going to do a couple more Hebrew words today. Underneath that word law is the word Torah. Now Torah is a general description that, that we translate law, but more than likely if you were Jewish, you would understand the Torah as being the first five books of the Bible which is not just law, there are laws in there, but a lot of it is instructions and stories, it's the word of God. So this idea of Torah, uh, it's it's more than just the laws of the Lord, it's the instructions of the Lord, it's the word of the Lord. And his delight, his joy, this blessed man, is in the instructions and the words of the Lord, and he meditates on it day and night. Now, that's not sometimes during the day and sometimes at night. It, that's a thing called a mirrorism, where it gives the two extremes to say he does everything in between. So if you lose your keys and you tell your wife, I look for them high and low, uh, you're, you're saying, I look for them everywhere, not just high and low. Because she could be like, well, did you look in the middle? <laughs> I did look in the middle. <laughs> I looked high and low. This, this blessed man meditates on the words of God all the time. Day and night. Now, meditate. Uh, when we think of the word meditate, there might be an image that you have in your mind of like a, a Middle Eastern guy who's just sitting on the ground and going hum, hum, hum with his fingers. In the ground. That's not the biblical idea of meditate. So I'm gonna, I want to teach you another Hebrew word. Uh, and this one hopefully... Um, Hopefully, if you've been around a while, or you've been around me a while, you know this word already. But I want to teach it to everybody. The word for meditate is the Hebrew word, haga. Haga. Can you say that word? Haga. Haga. It's interesting. Interesting words. Haga to meditate, but it's more like um, here's here's my translation. It's more like to chew noisily, uh, because a bear who has killed his Pray is said in the Bible to haga on that. It's the rah, 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 rah. you can hear it, right? Is that pretty good, bear? Rah, rah, rah. He's chewing and he's chewing noisily, right? It's not like, oh, excuse me. It's this is a bear. <laughs> rah, I'm chewing on this over and over. It's also said uh, of a pigeon that's in its nest, and you can hear it if you can even picture New York City. You probably hear the pigeons and they're cooing, right? Or kurr, I don't know, <laughs> kurr, kurr, right? How do you do it, lesson? I don't know. Kurr, whatever. He's, there, the pigeon is hagaying. It's making noise. It means to utter, to speak, to recite. It, it's almost like this uh, this this noise that's in the room. The 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 ha-gai. And here's another image. If you've ever seen uh, Jews on the Western Wall. You know, they've got their little uh, cap on and they've got their scroll in front of them and maybe some tassels. And what are they doing in front of the, the, the wall? They're back and forth, right? Have you seen this? Nod your head if you've seen this. Okay, now go back and forth. Now what it, Now it's not just silent, right? You hear this mumbling, this like small roar going on as they're meditating on God's word. Blessed is the man. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he will meditate day and night. Blessed is the man who, over and over, as they're chewing and thinking about it, they're hagaying on the word of God. So, if you've been in Bible study around here for a while, you understand that uh, that we chew on the word of God over and over. Well, this this blessed man, he is haggying on the words of God day and night. All the time. We get the similar idea at the beginning of the pro- prophetic books in the Old Testament. Actually, Joshua. Uh, in Joshua eight, Joshua is given this command. He said, this book of the law, the Torah, shall not depart from your mouth. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Continue speaking it, right? But you shall haggah, meditate on it. When? Day and night. Haga on it, chew on it, day and night. Meditating on God's word every time you open your mouth. How are you doing with that? Uh, when you get the bill that you weren't expecting, do you haga on God's word? <laughs> when you're walking down your hallway in the middle of the night and you stub your toe, is this what comes out of you? Is that God's word? How about the fight with your spouse or your siblings? Are you haggaying on God's word is is everything that you say that's coming out of your mouth the words of God? Well this blessed man that's the description of him. He doesn't do anything wrong. He doesn't behave, think, act, identify nothing. There's nothing like a fallacy in this man and in fact everything he does do is like that's the words of God. He doesn't do anything wrong. Everything he does is right. If, th- if we were approaching Psalm 1 as a mirror, how are we all looking? Well, we, and I think we'd all agree. I mean, I think every one of us would like, yeah, I really do need to do better. I, I need to be better. Uh, if our blessing is being found in how good we are or how much we can receive this perfection, all of us are going to fall short. We all don't measure up. Psalms 1, as we approach it as a mirror, is too heavy. For any one of us to carry. Only the blessed man can achieve that. Now, are you just beginning to see the image in the window? Do you see a man who who doesn't do anything wrong and everything that comes out of his mouth is the word of God? Are you beginning to see Jesus in this? Well, he has one more description, just in case you're you're still fuzzy. One more description in verse 3. It says, he, this blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, this blessed man, he prospers. He prospers. This blessed man is compared to a fruit-bearing tree, a fruit-bearing tree that never dies or withers. And it's planted right by the, the streams of life, the streams of water. That It's firmly planted. A, a tree, fruit, water, life. Can, can you picture another image in your mind of the Bible where there's a tree and there's fruit and there's life and there's water? It, we get an image of, of Eden and we see the garden, uh, uh, the tree of life there. Everything that this blessed man does prospers. It it reaches its goal. It comes to its end. This blessed man is pictured as the tree of life in the garden. It gives fruit over and over and over. So it doesn't matter who comes and what season. There's fruit ready to be offered to any who come. The picture of the blessed man in Psalm But that's not the only image we see. We'll continue looking, and we see a second group of of people. This is like a group of people that comes into focus in the window. The blessed man is going to be compared to a group of wicked people. Uh, Verse 4. The wicked, that's in the plural, are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. As we see... uh, Beyond even this blessed man, maybe to the other side of the window, even we see this group of wicked, uh, the sinners, the the scoffers. We see one man in opposition to a whole group of people who are exactly opposite of what this blessed man is. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Now. Chaff. We talked about it in Rooted Connections, and if you're interested in in learning just a little more and just chewing on things a little more, haggying a little more, uh, 9.30 on Sunday mornings, we do, like, uh, we call Rooted Connections, where we look at the scripture beforehand and start chewing on it uh, even before we get here. Uh, And so even this morning, we talked about what chaff is. Uh, Chaff is this outer uh, layer of, like, the seed of wheat that once once it's mature, it goes away, and it's good for nothing. It ends up being, like like, decomposes in, in dust. It's, it's, it's for nothing. It's good for nothing by the end. You, you can't use it for anything. Uh, so this comparison, the tree of life to this chaff that the wind uh, blows away, you, you compare those two, and you see the, just the sharp contrast. One, one has fruit for life that he can offer to other people. The chaff doesn't have anything. You know, the chaff is not good for anything. It's just free-floating. It has no future, no purpose, no security. All it's done is driven away, and it's no more. What a a scary prospect to be chaff. But, But the wicked are described as just that. We see this group of wicked in the window that are opposite of this one blessed man, and they have no future, no hope. They have nothing to give anyone else. Well, the last two verses, we see our last set of people that come into focus in the window. We see this congregation of the righteous, our community of the righteous. So we have the blessed man, but we have the group of wicked. Now we have the congregation or community of the righteous. Uh, Verse 5 says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. As you begin to see through this, this window and you see this blessed man, this description of him, and opposite of that window you see this group of wicked who are doing exactly opposite of this blessed man. But if you can see beyond the blessed man, you see this group of righteous people uh, behind him. And you're like, where did they come from and how did they get there? That's the question we want. Like, how do we become part of that group of people? The blessed man on one side, the wicked on the other, and then you see this group of blessed people, these righteous ones. Now, each group has a different identity in a different way uh, through them. It says the wicked don't stand, uh, and this word stand, it's not a static word in Hebrew. It's not like I'm standing here. It's actually not the same word as you saw earlier in uh, the passage as well. It doesn't stand uh, with... The, The sinners, that's not the same word. This word, to stand, it actually, you might even have a footnote in your Bible. It means to stand up or to arise. It's a movement word, to to arise. But this one, the, the wicked are not going to arise or stand up in the judgment. They won't be there before the Lord when he says, Well done, my good and faithful servants. They are not going to be in that blessed place. They're going to be uh, outside of there. The destiny of the wicked was without hope, like chaff, outside the congregation of the righteous. But the opposite of that, the opposite of perishing with the wicked in in these verses, the opposite of perishing uh, is described in just simple terms. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. The Lord knows. The opposite is that Yahweh knows this community, this congregation of righteous people. He knows them personally. He knows they're going down to bed. They're getting up in the morning. He knows their way, their actions. He knows them. The opposite of perishing is to be known by the Lord. Do You see that? The opposite of perishing is to be known by the Lord. And it's exactly what Jesus said. Look in John 10 and verse 27. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Well, as we come next week, we're going to see uh, if Psalm 1 is the song of the blessed man. Next week in Psalm 2, we're going to hear the song of the gospel. We're going to find ourselves in it. We're going to find ourselves. How do we become these blessed people, this congregation of righteous, and we'll see it's all about a relationship with the Lord. If the good shepherd knows you, you're among the righteous ones. The righteous ones then, even in Psalm 1, we see them, it's almost like they're the ones that come to the tree of life and take of its fruit. They find their refuge under that tree to be known by the Lord, Next week we'll see the song of song of the gospel come back. This whole these two gates of the Psalms, you'll see all the themes, all the flows of the whole Psalter in these two verses, and it gives you the key the key to understand them all. And next week we'll answer the question: Well, how do I know if I'm among the, the group of uh, the wicked or am I in the group of the the righteous? I, we all know we have done things wrong. We've fallen short of the perfection and glory of God. So how do I get, become among the group of the, the, the righteous? So I don't want to leave you there. So if you're there and you're like, yes, I want to know, I don't want to like, we'll just come back next week and hope you don't die. Uh, <laughs> no, there's some of that. So let me just give you a little, little taste of it. If you, if you look in your Bibles, if you look in your Bibles to the end of Psalm 2, and this is, I'm giving you the like, kind of a foretaste of where we're going next week. If you look at Psalm 2 at the end, it's, it's twice the length of Psalm 1. It's 12 verses. You get to the end, and it says, Blessed, Ashrei, the same word, are all who take refuge in him. And if you trace that hymn all the way through Psalm 2, which we'll do next week, you get back to the blessed man. Blessed are all. Anyone who comes to the tree of life and receives the fruit, who comes to the Lord, that finds its refuge in the blessed man, which we'll find out is the Lord's anointed. We don't find our blessing in being good enough, having done enough. If that's what you're here this morning and you have this burden of, like, I just got to do better. And be better if I want the Lord's blessing on me. And Psalm 1 and 2 will go, no you don't. You need to be found in the one who has done all that. It's all about your relationship with this blessed man. It's turning to Jesus. It's seeing him. It's meeting Jesus in the Psalms. Bruce Waltke said, and i want to end with this quote. He said, to find yourself in the Psalms is to find yourself in Christ. Not as man going to the divine, but as the divine coming down in man. And Psalms is his story. It's Jesus' story. It's the story of the gospel. Being known by the blessed man and finding our refuge in that one. And that is good news. You don't have to be good enough or to have done it all. You just need to know the one who has who has finished the story and has offered you the salvation and grace and truth and mercy at the foot of the cross and through his resurrection. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. I mean, the, the Psalms is where it's at. <laughs> well, uh, I hope this week you'll begin to haggah, to meditate on Psalm 2, and that we'll come together next week and see the great, those great doors of this house open. Uh, that give you a key to how you see Jesus and meet Jesus in the Psalm. It's a beautiful thing. Let's let's pray and thank Jesus who gave us all this this morning too. Lord, thank you for communicating to us. Thank you for becoming man, coming down in flesh, being a servant to the things that you've created. Not not uh, wanting not wanting to be served, but to serve and give your life as a ransom for many. And Lord, would you uh, would you take Anyone who's come this morning that is burdened, that is feeling like, man, I just got to do better. I just got to be better. I got to do more to be good enough. Lord, would, would you allow them to, to break the mirror of Psalms and see it as a window to the one uh, who has accomplished and finished everything? And Lord, would we find our refuge in, in you this morning and this week? Uh, when we when we fail, when we fall short, would, would we come running back to you, Lord? Would we find our refuge and our comfort and our help in you? And Lord, would you know us? Would you draw us to yourself? And Lord, now as we respond in worship, Lord, would our hearts cry out with this freedom of forgiveness that you have given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church.